0: Do you think it's fair to say, like, at this point, so I've made it through understanding the basics of the internet, HTML, CSS, and I've got my foundations in JavaScript, of course. There's tons more to it that I will learn over time. And I can collaborate to a certain degree. Do you think I'm hireable, probably, at this point, by somebody out there?
1: I think you're hireable, if you look at the JavaScript. If you learn about the HTML, CSS, JavaScript, you can easily get freelance job. I mean, okay. there's a lot of people looking for and you can do that. But if you like, I think if you're going to work for some company, I think after you learn version control and the GitHub and Git, you should be easily hireable at a junior role at some company because I know a lot of people who are doing that.
2: Bandwidth for ChangeLog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. Our feature flags are powered by LaunchDarkly. Check them out at LaunchDarkly.com. And we're hosted on Leno cloud servers. Get $100 in hosting credit at linodecom changelog. What's up, JS Party people? Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? Well, with Raygun Error and Performance Monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to quickly find and fix errors and performance issues across your tech stack down to the line of code. Raygun makes it easy to monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify issues across web and mobile apps, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers. This saves you time, this saves you money, and this saves your savings. Head to raygun.com to join thousands of customer centric software teams who use raygun every single day. Again, raygun.com to give them a try with a free 14 day trial.
0: Welcome to JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Did you know we take requests? Holler at us at jsparty.fm slash request. Pick a topic, pick a guest, hey, pick an MC if you want. JS Party is a show for the community, so we love hearing what you want to hear about on the pod. Okay, let's talk roadmaps. Hey, it's party time, y'all. Everybody out there in podcast land, I am Jared, I'm your your, internet friend, and I'm here for an awesome episode of JS Party. We have a very topical and timely thing to talk about today, developer roadmaps, how to become a web developer in 2021, or how to continue your journey if you're part of the way down, as we all are, and I have a very special guest today. I'm joined by Kamran Ahmed, who's working on a developer roadmap. Kamran, thanks for coming on JS Party. Thank you
1: for having
0: me, dear. Good to have you, very excited. And I want to start off this episode with a tweet which hit my timeline. looks like seventeen hours ago from Sam Sycamore. very on topic. He said, I spent five years gaining experience as a carpenter, landscaper, and home remodeler. That work earns me twenty one dollars an hour living paycheck to paycheck. I spent less than five months learning web development, and today I closed two freelance deals that will pay, my bills for the next three months. He then follows up and says, not everyone can do what I have done. Not everyone would want to do what I have done. Not everyone would wake up at 4 a.m. to study and to perform physical labor from 9 to 5 every day. But it can be done, and if you think you're up for it, then I hope you will go for it. Surely, in web development land, everybody's mileage varies. People learn at different paces. Some are given to it. Some have to like power through. We all have to power through a little bit. So it's not as if... Uh, everybody can do what Sam has done, but a lot of people can really thrive in this industry. And we've seen a lot of people do it. What are your thoughts on that and Sam's experience, Cameron?
1: Exactly. I I know a lot of people who have not gone through the formal education of the computer science and still are making good money. So I think anyone, if you have the clear path, if you have the good mentors, and if you're able to find out like the correct way, you can easily... Get started in like a couple of months, two, three months, you're easily able to get good amount of money mm-hmm. from the freelance work or the actual job as well. So definitely, yeah.
0: Yeah, and like not everybody wants to freelance. Some people want a full-time job. We know that once you get through that first set of hurdles with regards to your knowledge in web development, there's another set of hurdles, which is people... organizations aren't always hiring for junior developers. Everybody wants the senior developer, so there's a mismatch there. There's definitely challenges along the way, but we see that there's huge opportunity, and we've benefited from the huge opportunity in this industry. So anything that I find, especially around helping other people down that path, I get very excited, and I like to promote that. So I found your repository, Roadmap to Becoming a Web Developer, in 2021 of course it's linked up in the show notes we're here to discuss it it shows how to be a front-end web developer how to be a back-end web developer there's devops there's a bunch of stuff and i'm sure you're working on it and expanding it but i was just curious like why did you create this project what inspired you to put this work in
1: yeah so i graduated from a university that is not a very good university i am a graduate in the soft engineering and when i graduated i mean i was looking mostly. I was doing random stuff. So I did game development, I did Android development, I did web, I did a lot of different stuff. But I did not have a clear path like what I wanted to do or how does the job market look like and the thing like that. So I was always bugging my my seniors in the university and reaching out to people on like LinkedIn and GitHub and here and there and like asking them like what what should I be learning? So I saw that after some time spending in the industry, I was getting asked the same question that I was asking earlier in my career to different people from my like juniors, from the people I was working with. And as you said, there are a lot of people in the industry which are not like formally educated in the computer science. So from that, I decided to like create a path and prepare a list of items that, and that can help anyone get into this field. And if, for example, if you're stuck or if you don't know what you want to learn, you can look at this list and pick what you want to learn next and continue on with your journey. So this was mainly the reasoning behind me starting this project.
0: So when did you start it? Because it's for 2021, but I know you were working on it last year as well, and you just keep it updated. How long have you been compiling this roadmap?
1: And so the first version was the very basic one. I just put like like the basic, really basic stuff. It was in 2016, I believe, in the beginning of 2016. So I every year at the end of one year, every year I run a survey, I look at what the community looks like. And I, based on my own experience, I keep updating with the help of community also. So this is the fourth version, I believe, the most recent version. I'm still working on the 2021 version, uh, but still it is mostly like up to date with the current landscape.
0: Mm-hmm. And is it all from your mind or is it a community effort?
1: It's a community effort, I believe also. It's mostly me because there are a lot of people contributing with their ideas and the suggestions but I did not really want to put everything out there. So I wanted to be really focused. So I'm really picky with the stuff that I put in there, but I have like the help of the community and I run the survey and I look at the different, like uh, for example, state of JavaScript land and a lot of different online community surveys and stuff to prepare this every year.
0: Very good. And it's worth pointing out that this roadmap is an awesome resource, but it is very much that. It is a map of choices, right? So in addition to this, you're going to have to team this with like the how. So this is kind of like the what, right? Like what you should learn, what order perhaps you should tackle these topics, which ones work together, which ones are set at odds. You're going to have to choose between this and that. As you work your way down the path and you've demarcated like what's optional, what's you think is required, things that you suggest, things that you wouldn't suggest necessarily. And that's all very useful, but none of this is really the how, right? Like, well, I, I'm going to learn HTTP, but... How do I do that? You're not trying to tackle that particular problem, right?
1: Yeah, one more side thing I wanted to point out here is that the target audience for this roadmap is mainly the intermediate developers, the people who already have some idea, who are in this feed and are stuck in there. Like how do, they don't know like how to level up. But mm. if you're a beginner developer, so it's a bit different from that. I mean, you, I would not recommend you to go this path. So I'm working on something and I hope to release it in the next couple of weeks, like by the end of January or the Feb. Okay. But it's going to be a different path for the complete beginner okay so there's that and after that the second thing is like it depends like on that on the job market also so this is mainly uh, like looking at the german like the europe european market and looking at the way in general that the area that i have worked in so it is mainly targeting that so for example the recommendations that i have here right now in the roadmap for example i'm recommending react.js so in germany let's say there might be vue.js or in u.s there might be something else like swell or whatever yeah so you should keep that in mind while, you, while you're following these roadmaps So, yeah. Now, answering your question, like, uh, I wanted to give this path So mainly, like, uh, because there's nothing on the internet, if you are just starting, or if you're in the in the field, you don't know really, like what to look at. So I wanted to prepare this resource, we can guide people, the words, like what they want to learn, because if you want to learn how you can already Google and you can find tons of different material in the written form or on YouTube, for example, there are a lot of YouTubers doing really good job, for example, there's diversity media, and there's, Chris on code. there's a lot of good people doing really good sure. stuff. Uh, so you can find a lot of resources out there, but I think the hierarchical path was missing there. So this, I wanted to solve with this resource. Uh, but I have plans to put in the resources. So I was working on something to make this roadmap interactive also. So it is going to be soon the interactive version. So you are, you'll you be able to click the items, like each of the nodes in the roadmap and be able to see like where you can learn all of that. And I'm also I started recently like my YouTube channel also I wanted to cover the roadmap but it takes a lot yeah. of time so totally I don't expect to put all of this stuff on my channel but there's a lot of stuff out there so I'm going to link it to the roadmaps in like in a couple of weeks or so this year my plan is to expand it into this kind of stuff yeah
0: I love the idea of the interactive roadmap especially if you can create an ecosystem around it right like you may not be the best resource on how to learn dns but you maybe somebody else already has that it's a great resource we'll link it through the interactive roadmap but maybe you're the expert on node.js or whatever it happens to be then you can put your own resources where they fit but then when you don't have something you know fill it in with somebody else's so it's very on point to mention that this is for intermediate developers this is not for the the person starting from Ground zero. Like you said, you may want to have some stuff for that person down the road. Historically, what have you told people? I don't know if you get this question a lot, but like, hey, I want to get into web dev. Where do I start? And since this is for intermediates, maybe you can check out the roadmap, but it's not necessarily for you. What about a brand new person? Where do you usually point them? So there's
1: a question that I get a lot on my Twitter. So my Twitter messages are fair with the people asking, like the beginners asking, like, where should I start? So this is the question that I get the most. So mostly I have a copy-pasted message that I read and I paste it there. Well, paste it to me in audio
0: form here. Yeah.
1: I would do that. So first of all, I normally recommend that it depends upon the The person, for example, if you want to be a front-end developer or the back-end developer, if you want to get into the DevOps. So for the front-end developers, I normally say that just pick HTML, for example, look at any resource, for example, even W3Schools is fine. Just go look at the HTML, just spend a week or two weeks going through the HTML, learn the basics, learn how to create the forms, learn about the structure, and just get the basics out of the way. And just prepare like a couple of projects, the structure of some HTML pages of the websites. Then look at the CSS, for example, then try to style these pages. For example, I asked them to copy Twitter home page when you log in, for example, the login page. So when you have the form at all in the form of HTML, after the two weeks, when you're done with this, then, for example, style this form to look like the page that you copied. So do the pages, a couple of pages like this, then, for example, pick the JavaScript and try to make it interactive. For example, the form that you made, try to show the validation messages. When the user clicks it, validate the login, username and password, and show the message, like for the invalid username or password. Mm-hmm. And do a couple of exercises like this, for example. And then once you're done with this, you have done some projects, then start looking for like open source projects or create a couple of templates on GitHub, learn about the Git, for example, and create an right. account on GitHub, put a couple of projects in there, and then start from there, like continue onwards and then learn React and all, and then you can continue on with the roadmap. So the same kind of path I have for the backend also, and so on. So you don't yeah, need to look different. at the roadmap itself, because the big news, that, I mean, whenever I get a question, mostly on Twitter, it's like, people are really scared of this roadmap. They say that I have hundreds of items in there, it would take me like two years to go through all of this. How can I speed it up? So first of all, I, it looks daunting, but it really is not. If you know, like if you start this way, for example, do HTML, CSS, JavaScript, the basics and then do a couple of projects. And then for example, like most of the items in there, they don't really take much time, Uh, like DNS and how it works and what is domain name. You can easily do it in like one hour, or two hours, like -hmm. the internet section. So a lot of items in there. So I plan on adding the timeline there also in the future. But it really looks daunting, but it is not. As I said, it is not for the beginners, it is for the intermediate. And I yes. mentioned it also in the disclaimer, but people don't look at the disclaimer <laughs> at the top.
0: So we all just scroll so right down to, to the shiny colored version, you know, you skip the words and go right to the pictures, don't we?
1: Yeah, so I need to find a better way to highlight that in the roadmap also, so that it is, this is not for the beginners. If you're a beginner, do this, this, this.
0: Right. So one thing that you have, you can break off into your particular path, whether you want to be a front-end developer, back-end developer, and then you can break off into DevOps from there. But you have a section, which is an introduction section, which is like stuff that everybody should know, right? And in here you have things like version control, which is at this point in time is basically Git, and then GitHub as an addendum to that. Uh, basic terminal usage, data structures and algorithms, licensing, SSH, design patterns. Okay, I can see where you can get overloaded relatively quickly. Now, I learned software development back in the yesteryear, in the days of yore, when mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff didn't really matter back then. Like, I didn't think once about licensing, I didn't know what semantic versioning was. SSH was a thing I learned pretty early on, but version control came much later. I knew I needed it but at the time I, <laughs> by the time I picked it up because I was too busy having like file one underscore copy zero, copy two, et cetera. So I eventually picked it up. Same but, for me. But yeah. do you think that perhaps this shared knowledge that everybody kind of has to know about is one of the things that overwhelms people, whether they're just getting started or they've been coding for a little time and they're wondering like, when do I really need to learn Git? When do I need to completely understand open source licenses? It feels like some of these aren't necessarily required, but you just pick them up over time. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. So for example, for me also, if I tell you about my past for the first two years when I was starting, so I started in 2013 when I was in university, like 12, 13, I believe. And I learned about Git after two years in the industry. I learned about, for example, SSH after two, three years also. Design mm-hmm. patterns I never touched because I started in the beginning, I, was, I would create a mess of the code looking at the design pattern. So I like most of the stuff I did not do in the beginning. And I said, I need to highlight that better in the paths. So this Mm -hmm. is mainly the stuff that you pick up in the journey somehow during the journey. So you don't need to learn it in the hierarchical format. So yeah, I said, I mean, if you look at the website, like roadmap.sh, I did -hmm. not mention all of this in the top. Uh, It's just in the repository here, because I did not know where to put them because it's common team across all of these, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. You don't need to learn all of this in the beginning.
0: heard about Knowable? It is an awesome new platform for learning from the world's best minds, anytime, anywhere, at your own pace, through audio. Learn about the performance benefits of a plant-based lifestyle from NBA All-Star Chris Paul, or how to launch a startup from Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian. There's even a 10-lesson course from astronaut Scott Kelly. Here's a sneak peek. We learned a lot up there, but what can you learn from a life in space? The answers might surprise you. In this knowable course, I want to share some of the things I've learned that you might not expect. Lessons about leadership on a dark night on an aircraft carrier in the middle of a churning sea. Lessons about the fear you feel with 7 million pounds of thrust exploding underneath you. And most of all, there's an idea out there that astronauts are always perfect. Failure is not an option, right? That's why I want to take you through some of my life experiences to show you how that's just not true. I believe everyday, regular human failure, if we handle it right, can be one of our greatest opportunities to learn, grow, and succeed. Knowable is accessible on your phone and on the web, and each audio course is broken out into individual lessons, usually around 15 minutes long. As a changelog listener, you can get an annual membership to Knowable for 20% off, get unlimited access to every knowable audio course right now just download the knowable app or visit knowable.fyi and use code changelog for that 20 percent discount we put a link in your show notes for easy click ins check out knowable today and start learning from hundreds of top experts from around the world once again that's knowable.fyi code changelog All right, let's dive into the front-end roadmap. So you have it laid out, and if uh, listeners are listening along and want to have a visual, check out roadmap.sh and also the developer-roadmap repo on GitHub, which are both in our show notes, so you can see what we're seeing as we discuss. But step one, I like your step one because I think a lot of people skip over this step, which is like learn the internet, right? Yeah things like how does the whole internet work and what is what are the protocols what's HTTP, how do browsers work what's dns what's a domain name what's hosting these things are really foundational to being a web developer aren't they so
1: actually i have been experimenting on my brother also so my brother my younger brother he just started university so he's also learning all of this stuff so if you look at the first version like 2000 if you i mean i have the version tags on the repository if you look all at right. the older version i did not have all of this like internet and stuff So I have been experimenting on him and see what are the issues that he has.
0: (laughs) Is he cool with that? You're just running (laughs) experiments on your brother? I hope he knows. No, he's fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just messing with you.
1: Now, if you look at the GitHub repository, I have the releases tab. It's not on the website, actually.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, three different releases.
1: Yeah, releases and if
0: And you used to not have the internet stuff up front, huh?
1: Yes. If you look at the
0: first, first version, it was, no, not this one.
1: I think I added it there. Go back. The last one.
0: 17 yeah. It's 2017 version yeah yeah
1: click here is the link to 2017 version this one yeah
0: so if you look at this this go. was
1: a super basic one so you were just learning html css javascript
0: learn the basics html css and javascript yeah so if you look at
1: this this is a bit not daunting as compared to the current one the current one has a lot more stuff so yeah as i said so so he was having the issues like for example he didn't know what the domain is, what the hosting is, and all of this. So I just put upfront because when this, someone is learning, it is easier to get into the theoretical stuff before you before you get into the practical, like the hands-on coding stuff. So that's why I put the internet and all the theory in the beginning. It's not not really much, so you can easily learn it in one day or something, and then you can continue on to the like the hands-on coding stuff with HTML and on, so on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think. Even more so, like than what is HTTP, maybe just like what it is, not not necessarily how it works, is understanding DNS and understanding how a domain name such as changelog.com or roadmap.sh resolves into an address which can be located on the internet by your browser and how that whole translation uh, system works. I think is empowering to understand all of that. It doesn't take you very much time to pick that up. You could probably learn it in a couple of hours and toy around yeah. with a few command line tools like dig and who is and like understand that process and really go from there. I think knowing HTTP at like a, a deep level, like gets and posts and puts and up and uh, deletes and all of that, probably not super necessary at this phase, but just understanding like that's the language that the clients and servers talk to each other when you request web pages and when you update web pages is probably enough to just make it not so mystical, right? I mean, this is really about demystification at this point because- Yeah, so
1: you don't need to go deep, deep down because if you look at any of the items, let's say DNS, DNS is also a lot of stuff. So I just put it here so you need to know, like if you open google.com, like what's happening behind the scenes? So what is the domain name? Domain name, google.com, let's say hosting. Where is the website located? So for example, when you build with some website with HTML, CSS, you know where to put it and so on. And same for the HTTP. Like when you open something, you need to know how to look at the console. For example, if some image is being loaded, how is it being loaded? If some CSS is being loaded, how is it, it is being loaded? And this stuff is going to be used when you look at the HTML and when you put the link tag and so on. Mm -hmm. So that's why just getting the basic idea of all of this in the beginning, it's going to be beneficial later on.
0: Yeah, very good. So then we go from here and you go to, okay, now it's time for your three-layer cake, right? HTML, CSS, and JavaScript in that order. And I think I'm agreeing with you 100% that you have to build from the foundation, which is HTML. CSS is, you know, the the look and feel. And then JavaScript is the interactivity. And it doesn't really make sense to learn them. If you want to be a front-ender, there's no reason to go straight to JavaScript. Maybe if you're going to be a backender. you go straight to JavaScript. You don't care about the HTML and CSS, but you want to write back-end JavaScript code, front-ender, yeah. learn these three, learn them in that order. We can probably skip over, for the sake of our discussion, HTML, and maybe go straight to CSS. And you have kind of learned the basics, making layouts, floats, positioning, box model, CSS grid, etc. And I think that's all good. I'm curious what your take is on the idea of somebody putting some rocket fuel on their CSS, or maybe kind of like skipping over to a certain degree with a framework and saying, well, I'm going to pick up the framework, and it's going to allow me to make some websites, even if I don't totally understand exactly the way it's working, like a tailwind or bootstrap, whatever, Bulma, whatever your flavor happens to be, and actually start a little bit with the framework and learn CSS through framework usage. Do you think that's wise, or do you think that's foolhardy?
1: I would not recommend that. I mean, when you look at, for example, bootstrap or tailwind or something, you easily get motivated. I mean, you look at the beautiful pages and then you get motivated to learn that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it is going to be later on beneficial for you if you know the CSS properly. So I think you don't need to learn really, the, if you look at the like the purple boxes, I say learn the basics, learn the layout. So these are the items that I think you should learn beforehand mm-hmm. before you jump on to the frameworks. And you don't really need to learn about all the like, Animation and CSS3 stuff, and like sure. all of this deep, deep stuff. But just get the basic idea, get like learn how to create like the basic pages, and then move on to maybe the frameworks. If you look at the CSS frameworks, I have put it like fifth, sixth place, maybe
0: it's quite below that. Yeah, you have it way down there, like after learning Git, after learning GitHub, and so on.
1: Yeah, because if you look at the job market also, people really don't ask about the CSS frameworks that much. Sure. And they ask you for more about the CSS stuff. So if you look at the job descriptions also, there's not much about the CSS frameworks and they're not going to ask you much about that. They're going to True. ask much more about the CSS itself. So I think CSS is much more beneficial. It depends upon what the end goal is. If you want to build something of your own, you might yeah. go on and learn some framework in the beginning. But if you want to do a job, find a job somewhere, then I think it is beneficial to learn uh, CSS good, then move on to the next thing.
0: I think that's 100% on point. I think it's a great distinction to draw is where are you trying to go with this, right? Are you trying to go from where you are right now to employable or more employable? Or are you trying to go from where yeah. you are right now to like launching your own web app or website? And I think if you are okay. just trying to put something into the world that you create, you could perhaps forego some of the deeper knowledge of css and pick that up as need be you're you're basically taking on technical debt to get your product out faster to put it in like startup terms and i think that's probably a a fair move but if your goal is is hireability like you said the knowledge about flexbox and grid and these things are going to be the kind of questions that hiring managers are going to ask you if they're hiring for a front-end position they're not going to say do you have tailwinds classes memorized for example well said
1: Yeah, so one more thing. This roadmaps, they get popped up on Hacker News quite a lot. And every time I look at the comments, I get backed for all of this. Like, you don't need to learn CSS that much. You don't need to learn JavaScript. Just move on to, like, Bootstrap or use React and all. So this is my point. I mean, what is your end goal? If you want to be employable, then this stuff is going to be for that. If you want to just build some stuff, you don't need to learn half of the items that are listed in In all of the roadmap
0: items. Yeah, well, there's not very much nuance on Hacker News. There's a lot of uh, caps lock writing, but I think that conversations like these help to tease out the nuance. And one of the situations that we're in culturally is that there's a fine line between somebody who's like an entrepreneur, startup freelancer, and a full-time web developer employee. Because you can toggle back and forth between those quite often. In fact, when you can't find a job, everyone's a freelancer, right? Like, hey, I'm freelancing. Hey, I got my own thing I'm I'm doing. And so you get into that ship it mindset, right? The productivity, technical debt mindset, because you are trying to get something out there and show what you can build. And a framework is absolutely going to give you a shortcut to that, right? But then when you go to the point of hiring and interviewing and working full time for a company they aren't interested necessarily in specific CSS frameworks. They're interested in like what you know, what you can build and you kind of toggle back and forth. So it's an interesting dichotomy, but okay. So moving on from that, then we come to JavaScript and this is like, you know, the cake gets bigger. It's like top heavy, right? Like the base foundation. Yeah. There's stuff to learn with HTML, but it's pretty straightforward, right? You can, you can have a cheat sheet of all the elements. When do you use what? And you understand the sideways tree structure and, it's there, but it's not much. And the CSS is more. But then when you get into the land of JavaScript, holy cow. It's a whole new world, yeah. isn't it, of complexity and choices?
1: Yeah, so in JavaScript, actually, there's a lot of stuff that you can learn. So I have mentioned a couple of items. Like If you look at the four, there's only three or four items here. So I think, in my own opinion, I think you just need to learn all of this. And you don't really need to go deep down. Because that stuff you can learn while you're learning or, you, for example, you're doing projects or you're learning about the frameworks in JavaScript, you can go and learn all of this stuff while you're doing that. So you can just, for example, look at learn the basics, learn how to create the variable loops and all of this stuff, get the idea about how to make the API calls, learn about the classes and so on. And then you can move on to the next step. So you don't really need to master like every thing in JavaScript. Right. Just get the idea about these, this will help you make the projects and then you can move on and create projects and then learn on the way.
0: Right. So a lot of this starts off as actually just programming ideas. Right? Yeah. Variables, control flow, what are functions? How do you call a function? How do you write a function? Basic syntax of JavaScript, basic constructs, And then you you add to that. So that's like if if there's four things that you say right away, learn for JavaScript to get going. It's the syntax and the basic constructs. It's learn DOM manipulation, understand how JavaScript maps onto the HTML that's inside of your browser, right? The document object model. And then how to change things inside of that by calling these functions. And then you say learn fetch, the fetch API or AJAX slash AJAX. And then you say ES6 plus and modular JavaScript. So you're getting more like JavaScript specific as we go down. And then finally just understanding some of these concepts like hoisting, event bubbling, scope, which is a generic programming concept, but how that applies inside of JavaScript. Uh, Prototypes, shadow DOM. Okay, we're getting pretty complicated at that point. And strict mode, stuff like that. So it's really like get the foundations of programming understand how those are laid out inside of JavaScript, learn about the DOM and how to like fetch things, you know, how to go and do Ajax calls. And, and then you're basically ready to move on from there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So whew, there's a lot to front end here. So we're about halfway down the front end path. Are we halfway? <laughs> I don't know if we're quite halfway. From there, it's version control. Yes. Just like the basics. So why Why would we learn version control at this phase? Because
1: now that you know about HTML, CSS, JavaScript, now you're probably building some stuff. So you can make the web page, a simple web page, a simple project of your own. Now you can learn about the Git and GitHub, and now you can learn to how to collaborate with the other developers. Uh, so at this point, you can make like a full-fledged website, like with the front end yeah. at least. So at this point, I think it is beneficial to learn Git so that you can work with the others. And when you show your work to the public, for example, put it on GitHub and show it, share it with your employer or so on.
0: Yeah, start getting that public profile so that you can display to people what it is that you've created and things that you've built. So do you think it's fair to say, like at this point, so I've made it through understanding the basics of the internet, HTML, CSS, and I've got my foundations in JavaScript, of course, there's tons more to it that I will learn over time, and I can collaborate to a certain degree. Do you think I'm hireable probably at this point by somebody out there?
1: I think you're hireable if you look at the JavaScript if you learn about the html css javascript you can easily get freelance job i mean okay. there's a lot of people looking for freelancers and you can do that but if you like i think if you're going to work for some company i think after you learn version control and the github and git you should be easily hireable at a junior role at some company because i know a lot of people who are doing that in my current company also we have a lot of developers who just know html css javascript they're making the cms pages and the, the just the front end, the static pages
0: then we move into like what I would consider heavy front-end world. You know, Package managers, pre-processors, yeah. build tools, frameworks, web components, yes. and so on. I don't necessarily want think we should go uh, every jot and tittle down this. Maybe skip down to the one that everybody talks about the most. Uh, we can skip build tools because like, hey, there's Webpack, hey, there's a few other things.
1: Yeah, before we move on, I wanted to highlight this, the gray checks, if you look at that. So we have yes. a lot of gray checks in there. So I think this stuff is good to have, but you don't necessarily need to know or learn them while you are in the path. A lot of people think that you need to know this, but I think uh, it is not clear enough. So you don't need to learn all of this. It's just my personal opinion. It is good to have, and you can learn at any time. So they're not really that important.
0: It's just like if you found a, a treasure map to some hidden treasure, right? And there's a legend. On that map that describes what yeah. all these items and things look like you're never going to find the treasure if you don't read the legend and make sure what all <laughs> the things mean right and so if you go yeah. if you scroll to the top of this roadmap, you'll see that cameron has put out a legend where the gray marks said you don't have to do this in order the grayed out things he doesn't actually recommend and then the green check marks are alternatives so there are things on this list that's why it's perhaps overwhelming when you just look at it but as you start to read the details there's no reason to learn, if you're doing CSS architecture, first of all, all of the architectures, right? I'm going to memorize BEM and how, how to do OOCSS, and SMACs. Like, 10 people on earth have done that. But you might yeah. skip that one altogether and come back to it later. Like, it's good information, but not necessarily on your critical path to being a web developer. So, well said. Yeah. When it comes down to picking a framework, this is one that's fraught with uh, controversy and opinions and flame wars. So... You have React.js as the happiest path, I think that is, personal recommended path. Obviously, there's yeah. other options as well. How do you come to these decisions?
1: It used to be Angular before. It's, I think it is my personal opinion also, but if you look at the job market, I, if you look at the 2016 version or 17 version, I used to have purple Angular and the purple React JS. and Angular it was having more priority than React because I liked Angular, and I saw that it was booming, and it was getting higher and higher. But if you look at the job market right now, I mean, all of these are great. Swelt so is also like getting fame now. But I think React.js has more job market. It's much simpler and it is easier to learn as compared to the other frameworks. And also, if you look at the community, React has much more community than Angular and Vue.js. And those, that's why I think React.js is more recommended than the rest of the competitors.
0: Fair enough. Next up, modern CSS so explain this category and then some of the options here you got style components css modules so on and so forth emotion radium giamoru i've never heard of that one glamouru glamorous maybe
1: glamorous glamorous yeah it <laughs> i is, got a typo on yeah, that it's, it's missing <laughs> i found a bug now <laughs> okay so modern CSS. if you look at the like the, the modern way of writing the modern javascript apps whether it is react.js or angular or JS, so we are not writing the css in the old ways like Putting the CSS inside the link tag and all all of that. So now we have CSS and JS and so on. So for that, I have mentioned the style components or the CSS module. I need to highlight this bit in in the 2021 version because mm-hmm. I think emotion is also getting a lot of used too much, and also there is more. There's Chakra UI coming up also, and uh, there's Tailwind also. So I need to highlight this section on the CSS a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. If you look at the modern way of di- writing the JavaScript paths, like the JS and Angular or Vue or whatever, the modern CSS is a bit different from that. So this stuff, I have a separate section highlighting that you just need to know how to write that kind of right. CSS inside of the link tags.
0: Absolutely, so then yeah, web components, which is kind of an optional path. Uh, CSS yeah. frameworks, here's where we bust open again, similar to JS frameworks. Now we're talking about CSS frameworks and there's lots of options there. How do you evaluate Something to choose in this way. You gave the reason for React in, in terms of the JavaScript, but when it comes to CSS frameworks, what's your criteria for selecting or like you know starting somewhere?
1: For CSS, I think my personal criteria is just looking at the community and looking at the like the existing projects and what are the people other people using it. I think for CSS, when it comes to CSS frameworks, there's no like recommendation or there's no like the strict kind of my personal opinion on that so mm-hmm. whatever works for you you can use that for example i have worked, i'm currently using chakra ui a lot but before that i've used tailwind i have used for example the react app and all i mean it depends on the projects it depends upon the well, like the job you are applying for for example what the company is using it doesn't really matter what you use but i think uh, my personal preference right now is chakra ui because he's my colleague tashikun i'm working with and uh, he's a good friend of mine also <laughs> And I think it's really like makes building the the react applications, like the front applications really easy. but It works like kind of tailwind. Yeah. A bit of different implementation of its own.
0: Oh, you're friends with him? Yeah, we did a whole episode on chakra. Maybe you probably heard that one.
1: Yes, actually he's my colleague. We're working at the same company.
0: Oh awesome. Tell him we said hi. I wasn't on that show, but I was hanging around during the show. So I don't think I met him personally, but awesome guy and very cool project, Chakra UI. We'll link up the yeah. episode for that if you want to go back and hear the story
1: yeah he's a super cool guy and he's putting too much effort into the chakra ui itself and i see him working on that and that's make me want to use it more in the my future projects then yeah
0: no good that's always a good reason <laughs> like hey my friend built this and he's working real hard on it so i like to use it like there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> once we get past here we're starting to get into some of the minutia a lot of optional stuff a lot of like choose your own adventure at that point but uh, testing, of course, is a critical path, I believe, that, you know, I don't know where exactly it fits in the timeline, but like learning how to test, I think, is a critical skill for any developer, no matter front end, back end, DevOps, whatever you are, testing, automated testing specifically, not manual testing where we go click around things, because we all do that, is definitely something that needs to be on your roadmap somewhere.
1: Yeah, but I put it a little bit down below because I did not really know where to put it. Yeah. Because if you look at the other things compared with them, the, the other things have more priority than the testing itself for them. But if you need to learn React, you need to learn React first be, before you know how to test it. So that's right. why it's a bit down, but it, it should definitely be above the, C, the, like the web components and whatever.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I'm sure it's tough to pick the exact order. And testing yeah. is a tough one because it kind of is a broad brush, right? Like it kind of can slot into all of these different topics. But when you're just getting started, and you're trying to lay a foundation, if you don't know how to test, I mean, it can be a real blocker to actually learning a technology. It's like, well, how I have to test this as I go. I don't even know the technology. How am I going to test the technology? The nice thing about it is, yeah. is it's a skill set and a mindset, really, that once you have it and you've learned it, usually a junior developer will learn it from a team or a senior engineer you know, who's already doing the practice and already has the test harness in place. And you can just kind of like, yeah. You know, copy and paste a few tests and change the values, right? So you can learn by example inside of a team. Once you understand how to do automated testing, and of course it is contextual to the particular technology, right? Like how you go about doing unit tests versus integration tests is going to change over time as well. Yeah. Once you have that down, you can start to slot it in as you learn other things. But it is really tricky like to tell somebody when they should learn how to write automated tests because... You gotta know how to do the thing before yes. you can learn how to test the thing. Kind of.
1: It's definitely an important thing, and uh, for me, honestly, I did not learn formally testing while I was applying for jobs. I def- definitely learned all of this while I was working at some company because this is not the stuff that is asked much. For them, they yeah. don't. No, uh, they definitely ask you what the different types of testing is, what the mocks are, what all of this stuff are, but they don't ask you like how to write this and that. And that. So definitely, you need to know about this. But I mean, once you're hired, you can definitely look as you said. Like look at the people who are writing the tests and learn from them and you can learn at the job also.
0: Was there anything that you learned, Cameron, where you, you learned it thinking this is going to get me hired, or this is really going to help me get hired and it ended up being completely not usable until later? Or it was like, why did I even learn that? Because they never asked me about it or I have never used it. Do you have any of those skills that you just kind of wasted your time on uh, when it came to getting hired? So definitely.
1: I have a lot of stuff in the roadmap that I know about, but I have never used them. <laughs> So, mm. for example, Electron, I have used it in a couple of my own projects, but I never used it WebAssembly. I learned it, I did not use it at all anywhere. And there is definitely be a lot of stuff. So, I have a framework of my own that I use to pick up stuff. But you definitely need to know like what this thing is, and when should you use it. You don't need to learn and go deep down into the sub, but you should know like what the different items in the list are. For example, I'm working as an engineering manager, mm. and whenever some projects comes, so I need to know. I need to have an idea about something. So definitely, I mean, you don't need to learn all of this, but you need to know what this stuff is. So uh, you need to be very careful, especially if you're beginning in the career, you don't waste your time on picking up some random stuff because your friend right. said to you that this is going to be really beneficial for you, but you did not not use it or whatever.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, Anything else before before we shift our focus to the back end on this? I know we've skipped over a bunch. Of course, we're not trying to be comprehensive here, but is there anything else on the front end roadmap that you think is worth mentioning before we change our focus?
1: Again, I would just say, like, pick HTML, CSS, JavaScript, then Git, and uh, React.js, and learn maybe the testing. There's the four or five items that you need to learn. So don't look at the roadmap if you're overwhelmed by all of this. Just pick these four or five items, and you're good. Just start working on the projects and do a lot of projects, and then you learn along the way. Most of the items listed here, you don't even need to spend so much time on it. You can learn it while you're building stuff. For example, I have a section for NPM skits. I have a section for a lot of different things that you don't need to learn. You learn it while you're building stuff.
0: Hey there, party animals. Jared here. I want to take a moment to tell you about Changelog++. It's our membership program where you can directly support JS Party and all of the podcasts we create here at Changelog. Ditch the ads, get closer to the metal, and enjoy supporting JS Party into the future. Once again, that's changelog.com slash plus plus. We'd love to have you with us. So as we turn our focus to the back end, one thing that's interesting right off the bat is it starts pretty much the same as the front end roadmap, right? You, you start off with learning the internet and learning basic front end knowledge and then going from there. Why'd you start here, Cameron
1: Yeah, so back end, is, I think is the same thing. You need to learn about the internet because no matter if you are doing the front end or the back end, you need to know like the, how the internet is working and what the hosting is, what the domain name is, because in the end, you are building for the web, right? For the front-end or the back-end. So internet is there, then the basic front-end knowledge, I did not, if you see here, I did not mention really the items that you need to learn because this is just a basic idea about the HTML, CSS and JavaScript. Because at some point you're going to have to do the front-end also to be able to work with your back-end. So that's why it is there for the basic front-end knowledge you need to know. Yeah. then i have os and, and general knowledge i don't think you really need to I, I need to change it to order in roadmap not strict i need to make it gray actually so you don't really need to know about all of this stuff but th- this is definitely
0: out of order probably
1: yes so you can learn it anytime because for example i don't know also like much about for example the basic interest networking concepts for example i know like the basics but i really don't know much deep deep into that yeah. So, for example, also, if you're, for example, doing JavaScript, you don't need to know about the threads and concurrency or whatever. So, there's a lot of different stuff that here that in the OS second that you don't need to really need to know in the beginning. Yeah. This can come later also.
0: Let me submit something to you. So, I agree yeah. that these are all things to have general operating system knowledge. And really, what you're talking is kind of like how a server operates. And so yes. you can sort of back into that or learn it over time, especially if you're using platforms as a service or you're deploying to things that run functions for you and things like that. But then are you really yeah. a backend developer? I don't know, but maybe you are. What you need to understand is client-server interactions, right? You need to understand how the yeah. web works. and kind of fits into the internet and the basic knowledge is like, what does yeah. a client-server relationship look like and you have that in kind of basic networking concepts you know these are high level categories so i'm not sure where things fit in in your mind but i think when it comes yeah. to a back end what are we doing well we're writing servers effectively right we're writing services and so understanding the client server interactions a little bit about networking tcp ip probably definitely http right i think a backender really needs yeah. to know http very well yeah more so than a front ender needs to. And through that, over time, you'll learn things like threads and concurrency and stuff like that. POSIX basics, POSIX, et etc. But I think maybe simplifying this and moving those down to where those could be like yeah. things later. But like say, like client-server interactions, or you know, word it better than that, might be something that really gives a backend developer a good foundation, right?
1: Yeah, so this is more of a DevOpsy kind of point. So it's more of a DevOps related, so operations kind of oh, things. Okay. So this stuff you don't need to know in the beginning. So right. the stuff that you're mentioning about the client and the server, I think the internet covers that a bit also. Sure. So yeah, this should be a little bit like way down, not a little bit.
0: Probably worth highlighting for a backender though. Like instead of like what is HTTP, I think maybe like. You know, yeah. that in depth, HTTP in depth or something like that. But yeah, yeah, well said. This goes into a DevOps thing eventually. But then we get down to it's really interesting. Of course, you're on JS parties. so we've already made our decision. The back end is JavaScript. No. Learn a language, right? So unlike in the browser, and maybe WebAssembly will change this, you're basically yeah. writing JavaScript in the browser. Maybe you're writing TypeScript. Maybe you're writing something that compiles to JavaScript. But we're executing yeah. JavaScript in the browser, at least for now, until a lot of the WASM stuff really takes over. We can write whatever language we want and run it in the browser. But on the back end, choice now, right? Massive amounts of choice. You do not need to run JavaScript on your backend. And so now it's time yeah. to learn and pick a language.
1: So, learn a language, so this is, as I said earlier in the beginning, so this roadmap is more of a job oriented. If you look at the, the learn a language spectrum, for example, I have highlighted JavaScript as my recommendation because That's JavaScript right. definitely has more jobs than the rest of the items that have, I have mentioned here. But definitely they are booming also. Like the other, for example, Java has a lot of jobs, Go has a lot of jobs also. But JavaScript, I mentioned because JavaScript is easier for the people with the front end knowledge, for example, or the people who already are getting into the basics, getting into the web development. They know JavaScript a little bit also. So it is, it is easier for them to learn. JavaScript. So in this section, I just mentioned that learn the basics of the programming with the language of your choice, whatever you picked.
0: Yeah, so it's very much context dependent, right? There's a lot of good languages on the back end. They all have pros and cons. I think the job market is a good way of gauging like, well, I'm just getting started. I don't know how to pick the best language because I don't know what's the best language might look like. Right. Why don't you just tell me what's the best language? And when it comes to hiring, you well, want you just sort by most opportunity, right? And I agree with yeah. you, JavaScript is absolutely right there at the top. And it has the benefit of saving time because you're already learning some front-end stuff. You're already learning JavaScript to a certain degree. Let's face it, a back-end developer needs to know some front-end. And I'll say it, a front-end developer yeah. needs to know some back-end, right? They don't need to be full-stack. They're not going to have all the knowledge about all the things, But you are more useful and more valuable and more productive as a developer if you understand the other side of the conversation that you're having. And whether you're on the client side or the server side, you need to know some of the other. And so most people writing back end, they know some JavaScript, right? Or you've learned, you picked Mm -hmm. up some JavaScript. So it's nice not having to learn a whole other language, especially when it's already highly in demand.
1: Yeah. And also, one thing that I recommend to people mostly is like go to, for example, Stack Overflow Careers. So, for example, if you're targeting Germany, pick the location for Germany and look for the job. Like sort by the skills. Like what is there most of the most leader? Like JavaScript. You'll see that it's mm. JavaScript, for example, or Go or whatever. And pick from there. Go to LinkedIn Jobs and look at the the jobs of your target area. Like what is the skill set that, that is more in demand, and pick the language from there.
2: Yeah.
0: If
1: you're not yeah. building your own project, I mean, it doesn't. It really depends on like the job market.
0: Right, no, absolutely, I think that's great advice. Yeah. And I'm wondering, can you do those over time as well? Because then you could see which ones are trending in up or down directions, because you want your skills to be you know, good now, but you want them to be in demand five years from now. And usually, if, even yeah. if you get a slight curve one direction to the other, you can see like, well, there's a lot, but it's trending down versus it's a lot and it's trending up. Is there a way to get that out of the job boards or any other source? Yeah, for that,
1: I think, for them, the Stack Overflow, they released their survey also. For example, the state, so state of JS, right. for example, Stack Overflow Survey and all. So I normally look at that also. So you can look at this stuff also and see like where it is going. For example, GitHub also releases, like what does the project look like in every GitHub satellite, I think. So you can look at all of these surveys that other companies are doing and then get the idea from there also.
0: Right. Another way you can do it is you can sort by the language that has the best podcast support. So like JavaScript has JS Party, there's Syntax, there's all these shows. Yeah, sort by that. And then also Go has GoTime, which is an awesome podcast. So like, hey, maybe learn Go because there's an awesome podcast. I'm just now being silly, but uh, there you go. Another way you can sort your languages. So you've picked a language. You've learned the language, uh, core details about its runtime, really diving deep to a certain degree. Maybe not like you are expert level, but proficient, I think, is the goal here. right? Proficient with this language. Yeah. And then it goes to what? We have Git at this point, hosting, GitHub. I think you're probably now hireable and you want to get your profile out there. Is that what you're thinking? Yep. So the same like the front-end roadmap. I mean,
1: as I mentioned, learn the basics and then learn how to code with other people and put it, put your work out there. So in the learn a language section, it's not about the databases. It's not about anything. It's just learn the language, learn how to program this and learn how to, for example, make the API calls and so on and learn the Git so you can I like work with other people. And if you go down, then I have the databases where the things get interesting, where you yeah. learn how to make the full fledged applications.
0: Yeah, so we have now databases. You have relational databases as the first step with Postgres as your uh, personal opinion. I, I share that opinion. So, hey, team Postgres. But then it goes from, I mean, there's the technologies, right? Like Postgres versus Maria versus... Microsoft SQL, Oracle, blah, 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 blah. But really what you want is the concepts at this point, right? Like you have to pick one to learn on. But the point is, how do I design a database? How do I run a database? How do I make queries? How do I put stuff in the database, right? That's foundational knowledge and transferable knowledge and really what you're after, regardless of which database you're picking.
1: Yeah, so also at in, in, in this section, I think I, what I meant to say is just learn how to do the queries, for example, how to do the insert and how to do the CRUD operation and get the basics out of the way. Because this stuff about the performance and all, this is covered down below in the roadmap also. So mm-hmm. here, just learn how to do the CRUD operations. And for example, uh, yeah, the, this transferable knowledge. For example, if you learn Postgres, you you already know MySQL. Pretty much. I mean, doing the CRUD at least. So, yeah, that's about it. Learn about that. And then, for example, if you look at the More About Databases section, I have mentioned most of the performance stuff and the database schema design and all of this in that.
0: Yeah, so one thing I've noticed as I've been in this industry for quite some time now and have seen different people come up through different stacks and pick different technologies based on the, the community they're in or just what they're exposed to is that JavaScript backend developers do tend to get exposed to NoSQL databases uh, specifically MongoDB, sooner than relational databases with other backends. I think with Ruby community, it's kind of the other way around. And I'm curious where what your history is with databases. Did you start on a relational in terms of learning or do you start with a document database like Mongo and move to relational? What was your experience?
1: So I think picking the right tool for the right jobs is my mantra kind of. So I started with PHP, for example, in the beginning. So I did PHP a lot for like, three, four years, four, five years, and I was using mainly with that MySQL. But after that, I tried PostgreSQL and I went to went with that. I mean, I used PostgreSQL for some time. Then I moved to JavaScript and I started using MongoDB. Uh, so my history is kind of that. Mm-hmm. But I think PostgreSQL is booming. So PostgreSQL supposedly has, has a lot of stuff that you can do with Mongo. Also, like they have the JSON collect, JSON field and all of this also. So PostgreSQL is definitely my choice, kind of, when you know about the schema mm-hmm. and when you know what you're going to store. But MongoDB, I also pick, for example, we are using heavily MongoDB also because we have like the third-party services, so we don't really know about the schema that is going to be coming from there. So we went with MongoDB for some of the parts, and we went with Postgre for some of the internal applications where we knew what we are going to store and how the circuit is going to look like. So it really depends upon the use case.
0: So are these specific technologies that you'll find on job boards similar to the way you would find things on the front end? Like, is someone going to say, must have MongoDB skills? I'm asking sincerely because I don't go through the job boards very often. Is Postgres on the list or does it say, like, must know SQL?
1: I think, yeah, Postgres really doesn't matter. I mean, uh, it depends on the level, for example, you're applying for. If you're looking for a software engineer, they mostly look for just uh, SQL. But if you're looking at, for example, senior software engineer engineer or principal software engineer, they look about the entry cases like the deep down into posting how it works and how does it compare with MySQL, for example, or when you should use it, when should you not use it, and so on.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. There's a lot here about databases, and I think that's fair because let's face it, a yeah. lot of back end development is all about putting data in and getting data out of databases. Yeah. Right? Like that's a lot of what it yeah, is so at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So the more that you can learn about how a database operates and how you can interact with the database and optimize that, you are going to be yeah. more valuable. And after databases, it's learn about APIs. There's a lot to talk about here as well, huh?
1: Yeah, so for the APIs, I think most of the applications built, these, being built these days is just the APIs. So I think I, for the past four, three, four years, I have never done an application which was just the uh, application rendering the like the HTML page from the backend itself. I mean, we do SSR and stuff, but this is also now built with the APIs. So I think APIs are really really important. I think learning about the REST and the JSON APIs and like the authentication, and this kind of mechanism is important. You just learn that. And then there are different mechanisms. There's gRPC, there's SOAP and so on.
0: Mm -hmm. And how
1: you write the APIs, yeah.
0: I would tend to agree. Where does GraphQL fit into this? Because it is a, a trending in the upward direction.
1: GraphQL, but still, if you look at the job market, I don't think it is as much in demand as the RESTful API, for example.
0: 100% agree with you. I'm just wondering where it is. Is it on there somewhere? I'm not
1: it's way down, I think. Way down. down. If you look at the. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Way down.
0: All right. I, would slightly, I probably would at least include it in this list. Maybe <laughs> it's not your opinionated one, but if you asked me what are the common types of server side APIs today, I would say, in yes. this order, REST-based JSON APIs, then I would say probably gRPC, then GraphQL, and SOAP is just like legacy at this point. Not saying that you'd have to learn all of those, I'm just saying like, it's in the zeitgeist, and I think it's going to be at more and more job boards as time goes on. Oh, so, you're right. Yeah. anyways, that's a nitpick, but.
1: Actually, as I said, I mean, this popped up into my mind later on when I was building this roadmap, and I sure. am moving, making this in the Balsamik is a bit difficult. <laughs> because it's not the tool for the roadmap so i do like so i just put it there because it's not a recommended option so
0: like i said just a nitpick just curious uh what you know your thought pattern on that
1: no i i I am i mean working on this restructuring a little bit of this roadmap so there's definitely things that are going to be up and down
0: sure in the next
1: coming weeks yeah
0: and i mean it's worth noting like this is a roadmap made by Cameron and friends and, and contributors that is a roadmap. It's not necessarily the road. It's not the only way to do it. It's not the 100% correct way to do it. You know, this is like one guy's advice on what yeah. could be a great way of going about things. And so take it with that in mind.
1: Yeah, it's, it's highly opinionated. Right. Yeah, you might have a different point of view than mine. So There's just me giving my thoughts and my idea of what the backend development or the frontend development is or whatever.
0: right. All right, so the API is a huge thing to learn about. Of course, you're gonna be creating APIs, and so that's you know you have to know what one is and and how they work in order to to build them as a backender. So that's definitely there. Caching, I think, uh, well placed right next to web security knowledge. After you learn about APIs, caching is a huge aspect of back-end development, and uh, one yeah. of the trickiest things to get right. Specifically, cache expiration is a a lifelong pain for me and for many people. Likewise. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So when you say pick up caching, you have a bunch of just technologies listed. I think most people are probably, you know, understanding CDNs to a certain degree because that's about as outsourced as your caching can get. And then move yeah. into like application level caching with something like a MemCache or a Redis.
1: So yeah, client side, by client side I meant the HTTP caching, like the knowing about the HTTP headers and so on. Mm-hmm. So for example, cache control and all these headers that you can use to return the content that gets cached in the browser or the proxies, and the server-side caching, there's mainly Redis and Mapcache, I believe, and Redis is the one that is most commonly used. Like every app that I have worked with, it has Redis, and every job board that I come across, it has Redis. So Redis is quite common for that. Yeah. So you should pick up that also.
0: Yeah, and first and foremost, understanding why and when to cache, like what's its purpose, when would you do it? When would you maybe not do it? The pitfalls of caching, these are things that are all good to know. Right there next to security knowledge. Now security to me falls into the same category as testing, right? Where it's like, where does it fit in? Because it's kind of one of these things that you want to have interspersed into all the things that you're doing versus like, you know, adding it at the end, so to speak. Just like performance, oh, we'll make it faster later. That doesn't always work because it, you know, you design the system in a way that's antithetical to performance. We can really shoot ourselves in the foot if we don't have any security knowledge at all. But again, where does exactly go in your roadmap? We have it here next to caching and and right before testing. And it's there. You got to learn certain things.
1: I think security should be also a little bit up because there is some stuff that you need to know about when you're learning about, for example, databases like
0: OWASP and, and
1: SQL injection and all that stuff. You need to know about that. And also when you are dealing with the API, you need to know, for example, about uh, SQL injection and all of this stuff, like XSS and all of this. So it should be a little bit up also. But definitely it is like one of the most important things that you should know about when you're working with the backend.
0: Absolutely. It's also a place where you can rely heavily upon established norms, established libraries, production grade and hardened frameworks. So for example, if you're using a backend framework to build your APIs, and you're relying upon an open source, highly used ORM or yep. data mapper library, that thing will be built in such a way that it's very difficult or sometimes impossible with certain ones to actually code in such a way that you can have SQL injection, right? Like they'll actually, yep. because a bunch of people have been using this and working on it together, they'll make it all darn near impossible for you to write SQL injectable code in your backend. And that's a huge boon yeah. to you, especially when you don't even know what it is. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a place where you need to know these things, but if you are not straying too far from common ground, a lot of times you're protected by the community of developers around you, which is nice. Definitely, yeah. Testing, CD. we're getting down into things that, uh, you know, beyond testing, I think we get to where it's kind of, sort of choose what interests you, choose what to learn next. We're already hireable at this point, but testing, just like in the front end, I think it kind of spans a lot of these concerns, right?
1: Yeah, and I think for backend, testing is way more important. I mean, definitely for front end, it is also important, but for backend, because there's a lot of business logic involved and there's a lot of, like the business kind of rules and stuff. So definitely, like the testing is more, really, really important for the backend, especially.
0: Now, at first I give pause when I hear that, but let me agree with you. And this is why your front end needs to be tested to ensure that it works according to the specified way it should work, correct? Yeah. Your back end needs to be tested for uh, data consistency and protection concerns because you cannot trust your front end, anyways, right? Yeah. If your front end is compromised, you cannot trust it. And so, test all you want, you may not be executing your front end, right? Like at the end of the day, I can pop up my browser and change your requests and do all these things in your front end. And so your front end is not a trusted piece of code. It's your code and it should work as it's supposed to work, yeah, which definitely. is why you test it, but it's not internal, it's external. Your back end is internal and definitely, private yeah. and its job is to ensure that things work the way that they need to work and that data doesn't leak and that all these things kind of happen and you can't trust your front end, but you have to trust your back end to a certain degree and so testing is paramount there. Never, ever trust your front end, regardless of how well-tested it is. So at first I was like, it's more important. When you said it, I was like, oh, sure. And then I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, actually, <laughs> it, it is more important there, even though it's important on both sides.
1: Yeah, it's important on both sides. But like most, with the APIs and all of this, yeah, definitely, as you said, there can be different clients. You can look at the browser and look at the console and get the request and send whatever you want. But definitely, it is really important from the back end also.
0: Very true, very true. And from there, we get into... Design development principles, architectural patterns—we're starting to get pretty esoteric at this point, right? We're moving beyond merely hireable to like pretty smart and useful. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how you you rank these things, but uh, design patterns, uh, good ways of writing software, uh, microservices, etc. The difference between monoliths, microservices, and it kind of goes from there.
1: Yeah, so I think our field is getting broken down into the multiple fields, subfields, and so on. Because when I started, for example, there was just web developer. So you were doing front-end, you were doing back-end, you were doing everything. And then you've got, for example, the front-end separately, back-end separately. Then you got the DevOps, which is a separate field. I think this stuff also here, now there are architects, and there's like different people specializing into this item that are listed here also. But I think for a back-end developer, it's still beneficial to know all of this stuff because when you are a backend developer, you are architecting also. Like not many companies have the architects as a separate role that is going to help with the architecture of the mm-hmm. application and so on.
0: So when it comes to specializations, what do you think is like popular ones or in-demand specializations? Like you, you, you list out search engines. I think specific technologies like that, like can you do full-text search and stuff like that becomes important. What else?
1: I think there's only, like, what I have seen, there's only front-end, back-end, and DevOps, that's it. But mostly, I mean, like, in bigger, bigger, bigger corps, then there you have, like, the architects who are doing the separate job. But, like, 90% of the companies, you are the, like, the the back-end developer, you are going to be doing all of this stuff. So it is better to know about all of this. But unless you are working for some big corp, you don't need to be a specialist. But you need to know all of this stuff as a back-end
0: developer. Fair enough. Lots more there. We're not going to cover this one comprehensively either but the very last bullet point i should also mention that there's a whole devops roadmap that we're not talking through today but it's part of this and so check that one out as well if that's something that interests you but yeah keep learning at the very end and of course one of the things in this industry is you should always be learning if you're not moving forward in your knowledge you're actually moving backwards sometimes you can be moving forward and moving backwards by selecting a technology that's going to be obsolete here soon hey that's part of the game, but. Not only is there lots to learn here, but there's lots to learn that isn't here. And there's depth into each one of these rectangles here, right? Like you can go a certain depth into graph databases, a certain depth into WebSockets, a certain depth into message brokers and RabbitMQ. And so don't stay stagnant. Don't think that when you get to the end of the developer roadmap, you finish the game and you can just collect your trophy and your high salary and be done, it actually doesn't ever end, which is one of the reasons that you should be serious and committed if you go into this industry because unlike maybe like a civil engineering degree where you go to school for four or five, six years, get your degree, I'm now generalizing and assuming, and you pretty much know everything you have to know from then on out, your knowledge is going to have a half-life in software development that's way faster than other areas. And so if you're not somebody who wants to keep learning forever and ever until they retire... Then maybe not the place for you. Exactly. Yeah. Anything else on the backend roadmap or on roadmaps in general or anything else before we call the show? Yeah,
1: for the backend roadmap, I will again summarize that if you are a beginner, if you are trying to get into the backend development, ignore the roadmap. Just pick, for example, a language, learn how to use the SQL queries. For example, learn the CRUD. Learn how to build the CRUD application, and that's it. You're done with the backend. I mean, then you can keep learning all of this while you are building the project, and yeah, maybe learn about the APIs and so on. And again, as you mentioned, take it with a grain of salt. You don't need to look at my recommendations, look at what your job market looks like, what the companies are using, and then pick up whatever you want to pick. And also it is really important to know when to use what. So for example, I have mentioned post I have mentioned yeah. MySQL. You need to know like how are they different? In what cases you have MySQL, which is better than post-SQL or why post is better than MySQL and so on.
0: There's lots to do. Get out there and learn, everybody. The website is roadmap.sh. Is that correct? Yes, roadmap.sh. The GitHub repo yep. is too long, but I'll link it in the show notes. So you can go there, start the repo, go to roadmap.sh. There's a YouTube channel upcoming. You can subscribe for updates. What else, Kamran, with regard to this project? Is there room to get involved and give your opinions and help form the roadmap for future generations?
1: Yeah, so people can go and open the issues on the repository and suggest whatever they think can be improved or whatever. And later on, I'm going to be working on improving the website. I mean, I am working already on the redesigning of the website. It is going to be interactive. It is going to have resources on each of the nodes that are mentioned there. So if you have any suggestions, or if you have any recommendations, please please shoot me an email or open the issue on the repository and, I'm looking forward to the contributions.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, we appreciate you coming on JS Party. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again next time. If you're a first-time listener, stick around, why don't you? Subscribe now at jsparty.fm or search for JS Party in your favorite podcast app. You'll find us. Oh, and while you're there, maybe leave us a nice review. We love those. Do not forget, we take requests at jsparty.fm slash request. Help us help you hear what you want to hear. Weird sentence. Music for JS Party is produced by The Beat Freak, Breakmaster Cylinder, and we're brought to you by some awesome sponsors. Special thanks to Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Linode for their continued support. Next time on JS Party, K-Ball, Nick, and myself break down the state of JS and the state of CSS surveys. That one's coming at you in your podcast feed next week.